Thank you very much for listening. And if you like the information that we shared with you today, please subscribe to the Express Soul Health and Wellness podcast and follow us in the social media outlets of your choice. Until next time, please remember, health is wealth for the body, mind and soul. Hello, my name is Claudia Urdinola. I am the host of the Express All Health and Wellness Podcast. I am a professional engineer with a passion for health and wellness. Here on my podcast, I bring experts every week in different specialties in the health and wellness areas. And with them, you and I, we learn better ways, better protocols, better practices that we can implement in our daily lives to take better care of ourselves and stay away from trouble, stay healthy for longer time. So if you like the subject of our podcast, please subscribe right here and hit the notification button so you will be notified every time we bring different content to our podcast. Also, please follow us in all our social media outlets. We will love to have you there supporting us. Thank you for that. Today's episode is brought to you by Expresso Coffee. Expresso Coffee is my brand of coffee. I created the brand with your health in mind. Our coffees come from small farms from the high altitude mountains in Colombia and South America and Central America. I selected those farms with those beans, especially because I know the soils are volcanic, nutrient-rich, and all of that nutrition goes to the plants and lastly to the beans. From the seed to the cup, we ensure that every single step of the way, those beans are being respected and all of the nutritional values included in each of them is preserved until the moment that you consume it. We roast our beans in a crafted, very delicate process, preserving the antioxidants and nutrients that make our coffee exceptionally delicious. We also do all of this roasting process in small batches. Our coffees are clean from mycotoxins, are clean for pesticides, they're organic, and they are amazing. Give to your health the best coffee available in the market. Try Expresso Coffee now. Visit my website, www.expressolcoffee.com and also follow us in all of our social media outlets. Our guest today is Dr. Amy Horneman. She is known as the thyroid fixer and the subject of the podcast today is why the thyroid is called our master gland and how are more and more people today reporting dysfunction with their thyroid, how appropriately diagnose and treat those conditions. Here is with us Dr. Amy Horneman. She, is, um, she holds a master's degree in nutrition science from Westbrook University and a doctorate in nutrition science from the Maryland University of Integrative Health. As I say, she's known as the thyroid fixer and a host of the top-rated podcast with the same name. She has listeners all around the world. She's also the founder of the Institute for Thyroid and Hormone Optimization an organization with transformational proven approaches to address the thyroid dysfunction and supports people in returning to full health. Dr. Amy 
is also the creator of the Fixer Supplements line with revolutionary proprietary supplements that are changing the lives of many people. She's a woman on a mission to optimize thyroid patients around the globe and giving their lives back. After her own experience of insufferable symptoms, misdiagnosis, and improper treatments, Dr. Amy set out to help others who she knew were going through the same set of frustrations and challenges and offer them alternatives to get healed and get better. So here with us, our interview with Dr. Amy Horneman. Dr. Horneman, how are you today? Thanks for coming to Express All Health and Wellness Podcast. We are very, very thrilled to have you today because the thyroid, this is something... It's a subject that I've been hearing more and more often between friends of mine and people around me. It, it is um, interesting because I hear more and more people telling me that they had been to different doctors, that over and over they go and, and they follow these treatments that are prescribed from conventional medicine and they don't, they don't work and they finally go to someone else, someone else, someone else. Finally, those few that are lucky enough to get diagnosed properly, many, many times the treatment doesn't work. So even if they're diagnosed, the treatments are not appropriate. So I know you have your personal story and that is the reason uh, that you choose this specialty on the thyroid to be your mission in life. And I would love for you to share that with us here in my podcast today. Oh, absolutely. So I think a, a lot of us land here from a pain to purpose story, something that we've gone through that has led us down a certain path to help others. Mm -hmm. And mine was no different. This started around 20 some years ago. I've always been into to fitness and health and nutrition and taking care of myself. So naturally I got into bodybuilding competitions because I, that little competitive aspect of me wants to push myself to the limit and do all that I can do. So I learned about these, these bodybuilding competitions back in my twenties and I just did the figure end of things. So I didn't get big and bulky. Don't anybody think that I didn't look like a mm -hmm. dude, but you had to still diet down to a, a very lean yet muscular look. And you're standing on stage in a bikini Right. So I did that and I was doing fitness modeling where I would be in front of a camera in a bikini. And every single time I did a show or a photo shoot, I had to diet down because I, for the record, do not walk around like a stick figure. I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of the models and, and girls that were competing around me did. And all they had to do was get a spray tan and step on stage. I had to bust my butt every single time. So it was always this very, very strict diet and exercise regimen. But yet I knew how my body would respond. I knew how it had responded in the past. And every show, you know, you just tweak a couple of things and do it again, you know, kind of rinse, wash, repeat, right? So this one show I was getting ready for, and I worked with my trainer, you know, I, I, you always have to have a coach to tell you what mm -hmm. to do. So I'm meeting with him. This one show I'm getting ready for, you know, I do the thing of stepping on the scale to do a check-in. And the scale went up. It was like 10 pounds heavier. And I thought, then, well, this isn't right. You're my yeah. size, 5'2". That's a lot. 5'2". <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So when you're short, like we are, that 5 to 10 pounds makes a difference. But yeah. it also didn't 
it didn't biologically make sense. If I was doing literally chicken, broccoli, asparagus, fish, I was going to the gym twice a day. Whether you believe in calories in, calories out or not, biologically, that doesn't make sense. The body should not increase its weight Mm -mm. when you're eating that way unless something is wrong because the law of thermodynamics still applies here. So I buckled down, right? I went harder. I went to the gym more and longer and got stricter with the diet, got back on the scale. Now it was up 25 pounds. 25. And at that point in time, I knew I had to not do the show and I needed to figure out what was going on with my body because it was rebelling against me. So I did what we all do. I went to my doctor Mm -hmm. and, you know, looking back, I couldn't tell you what tests were run. We can get into what tests should be run today. I couldn't tell you what tests they did, but they told me you're normal. Everything is fine. I didn't accept that because I knew that that wasn't the case. There was something going on inside my body that was not normal and was not fine. So I then proceeded. I kept going to doctor number two, told me it's all in your head. Doctor number three, eat less and exercise more. And the medical gaslighting kept going. I went to six different doctors who all told me you're normal and everything is fine. And it wasn't until the seventh doctor that I actually received a diagnosis. So I got the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. What I was, I was pumped up, right? Because now there's a pill for it. And now maybe I'm going to lose some weight. So I walked out of the office, all excited. I had an answer. I had a name for what was going on with me. And I had a pill and I tried that pill, which was T4 only. It was Synthroid for five months with no change, no change whatsoever. So again, I started doing some more research, 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 and I kept seeing and hearing the name of this functional practitioner. And back then, I mean, we we used the term Mm -hmm. integrative. I don't think functional had come into mainstream yet. So he was an integrative naturopathic doctor. And I thought, okay, you know, divine intervention, right? I'm going to go see him. Totally changed my life. So he became my mentor. He gave me my life back. And that's literally the way he practiced with me 20 some years ago is now the way I practice with patients, really spending the time, spending a large amount of time with people, looking at their labs, looking at their symptoms, looking at everything about them from what they're eating to how they're sleeping to, are you pooping every day? What are you doing exercise wise? Looking at that whole picture and really putting into place the things, whether it is a supplement or whether it's the right medication, the right thyroid hormone replacement, the right bioidentical hormone replacement, putting that into place to literally give a person their life back. So that's what he did for me. And now that's what I do for others. That's awesome. It's a great, great, great story. And I know that a lot of people listening, they may go already to the second doctor, which probably at the second doctor, they give up. They say, forget it. I mean, this is part of aging. I'm just getting old. Deal with that. My mom had it or my uh, my abuela had it. So yeah, I just have to deal with that. I mean, it's so much more that we can be looking into it until we find answers that really work. And my question, right. my following question to this is, thyroid dysfunction is not a rare condition. On the contrary, it's kind of one of the most known conditions in females. Why 
is so misunderstood on the conventional medicine if if it's if it's something that is not that rare that is you know why why they don't get it that is a million dollar question right there girl uh so i i wish i knew i wish i knew why there wasn't more emphasis placed on the thyroid gland when we look at what it does when we look at it as the master gland it literally controls every cell in your body. It controls your metabolism, your hair growth, your skin cell turnover rate. It controls your heartbeat, your body temperature, your blood pressure, your muscle contractions. I mean, it, it controls everything. So why aren't we giving it more love in the medical system? I don't know. All I know is that as a doctor, you are taught basically two things. If TSH is above whatever the standard lab value range cutoff at the time is. If TSH is above this, then you give Synthroid T4. That is it. Just if this, then this one line, that's what they are taught in medical school. That's what doctors are taught in medical school. And we know in functional medicine, there's so much more to that. It's not just about the TSH. That's one marker. TSH is a pituitary hormone. It's not even a thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. So if it's screaming at us that there's something wrong, then we know that there's something wrong. But even if the TSH looks, we'll, we'll say normal, using air quotes, normal or optimal, we still have to look at other markers and we have to look at the person as an individual and listen to them because the four most important words that your doctor can ask you at any given point of time or any practitioner that you're working with are, how do you feel? Because if they're not asking that, you better run. You got to run really doctor, far away because I guarantee Conventional you, medicine, if you have four minutes with your doctor, you're lucky. So yep. as they don't have the time to ask you, what are you feeling? Are you sleeping well? How is your nutrition? Do you have any other... Yep. Uh, they don't have time for that. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, one solution, you know, for everybody. And that's why you're absolutely right. This problems with the master gland, the thyroid, it is a personal issue, but person by person, everybody is different and they may not need everybody the same treatment. It's just, it's not even logical to think that way. And unfortunately, the options that we got from the conventional medicine are those and few. So, right. but that's why we're here. That's why we're here to right. learn from you that you walk this path and you suffered it and you get healed. And now you are out there helping others to do the same and they don't make the same mistakes or at least that they don't give up on looking for answers. So, right. In, in the functioning on the thyroid as a main gland for us, what are those hormones, principal hormones that the, that the thyroid gland controls? So the thyroid gland controls T4 and T3. So those are your two thyroid hormones. Now, the thyroid has control over your sex hormones, over insulin, which is also a hormone, but we're Can just going to focus on the thyroid hormones. Um, so T4 and T3 are actually produced by the thyroid gland. It's important to remember that T4 is inactive. T3 is active. So T3 is what gets to your cells to do the job. And that's what gives you metabolism and grows your hair, makes you feel good, improves your mood, helps you poop every day, helps you sleep at night. That's T3. So T4 being inactive, T4 has to convert over and become T3. 
become the active thyroid hormone. Then once it does that, it's ready to be taken up by the cell. The problem though that we see often is that T4 doesn't always convert properly over to T3. And that's why there's another marker that we test called reverse T3 to see is T4 converting over properly? Is it doing, is it going down the path to become an active thyroid hormone so this person can use it? Or is it going down the path to become reverse T3, which is the anti-thyroid hormone? And that's going to put this particular person into survival mode, into a hypothyroid state. They will literally feel with a reverse T3 being elevated, they will feel like they are laying in a hospital bed and their body is trying to survive. Their metabolism will shut down. They will be fatigued. They won't think properly. You know, you're going to experience the hair loss because if you think about what, what does the body do? What do our bodies do if we are fighting for our life? If you're laying in a hospital bed from a, a trauma or an injury, do you have to lose weight? Do you have to have energy? Do you have to grow your hair? No, you just need to live. So our yes, bodies are so smart. Yeah. Prioritizing. Our mm -hmm. bodies know how to prioritize. And mm -hmm. you don't need to be burning fat if you're literally fighting for your life. But you go, wait, I'm not fighting for my life. I'm just trying to get through my damn day, right? Yeah, but that's the problem. If that reverse T3 is elevated, your body doesn't know that you're just trying to go and take the kids to school and clean the house and do your work and work on the computer and make phone calls. It thinks that you're laying in the hospital bed. So that's why it's imperative to do all the testing to really get that full picture. So for people listening that maybe they, they didn't define themselves like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing my hair. I feel tired all the time. I feel this fog, this mental fog. I cannot focus. I don't have any sexual drive. I Maybe I need to check on my, on my thyroid. What are those tests, a specific testing that they should be asking the doctor to have? I mean, because if they go and ask, it's like when you go and ask for, for would you please test for my hormones? And they just test like one or two. They don't have the whole picture of what's going right. on. So on the thyroid, what are those like very specific that we can tell our audience today, you should be looking for this? Yeah, the specific tests are important. You want to write these down so that you can take in the full list to your doctor. Just like, just like Claudia said, if you ask for a full thyroid panel, you're probably going to get TSH and yeah. maybe free T4. And while that's, that's good and all, we want to test those two markers. You also want to test the free T3. So we said that T3 is the active thyroid hormone. We want to test the free version of that, which is unbound, ready to be taken up by yourself free T3. We also want to test reverse T3 like we just talked about. That's the anti-thyroid hormone and that will put your body in survival mode. We want to test that. We want to test your two antibodies. So there's TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase, and there's TGA, which is thyroglobulin antibody. We want to test both of those to check for Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's. We want to see if you have the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism, which 95% of all hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's, but oftentimes it will come back as a false negative. So a lot of times people won't have any antibodies being tested, but, and again, does that really change the treatment? No, I'm still, I still want to get you optimized. Whether you have Hashimoto's or not, whether we've confirmed it or not, we'll say, 
I still want to work on getting those numbers to an optimal range and getting you to feel better, basically getting rid of those symptoms that are plaguing you on a daily basis. So what are the optimal like levels, as, as you mentioned? I mean, in conventional medicine and in functional medicine, the levels are considered optimal the same or they're different? Right. Totally different. Totally different. So when you're looking at your labs and you're looking at that standard lab value range, you have to remember that that was taken from a group of sick people, whereas functional medicine says, give me your fit, give me your healthy, and that's how we're going to get that range. So functional medicine ranges are much more narrow. In, with the TSH, we like it below a two in functional mm -hmm. medicine. With free T3, I like to say the upper quadrant of the range are over. So every single lab is different in their range for free T3. Even going, not even country to country, because I see patients in different countries, but from lab to lab in the United States, going from a Quest to a LabCorp, you're going to get a different range, standard lab value range. So I like to say the upper quadrant of the range or over is optimal for free T3. And then free T4, we don't, I don't like to optimize that that much, like put a number on it because that is, we have to look at it in conjunction to the person, to what medication they're on, to whether or not they do convert over to free T3. So that one we'll just kind of set aside. Reverse T3 is below a 12. And that's pretty consistent with all countries. The reverse mm -hmm. T3 lab value range goes up to a 25 and we want that below a 12. And then the thyroid antibodies are zero. We want them zero. So I don't want to hear someone say, well, no, I don't have Hashimoto's because I only have nine antibodies and the cutoff is 34. Well, okay, so you have nine antibodies. That means you have nine soldiers that are going out and beating up your thyroid gland. Are you going to wait till you build an entire army and then address it? Or are you going to say, hey, I have the start of Hashi here. I better do something about it. And that's why we I mean, want those antibodies at zero. That is great to know. And, and again, you mentioned that uh, out of the entire population that is reported to have hypothyroidism, 95% have Hashimoto's. So it's something that definitely we should be looking to. Um, and then my next question, because this is interesting, and, and why this condition, the hypothyroidism, affects mainly women? It's like eight out of 10 people are women. Mm -hmm. Why? So it's because we have less testosterone overall. Testosterone is, is, is a very important hormone and it's very protective against autoimmune conditions. So having an optimal level of testosterone will naturally support your and, and push down thyroid antibodies. But if we look at men and women in general, even if we women have optimal testosterone, which is 50 or above in the total testosterone marker lab, we still don't have as much as the guy does. So let's take an optimal male. They're going to have around a thousand. They're going to have a number of a thousand for total testosterone. Mm -hmm. Optimal. An optimal female will have, let's say, a total testosterone of an 80. Who has more? The guys still have more. And that means protection. So that's why we get hit with autoimmune more often than, than men do. They'll still get it. They'll still get it. But I was actually just but talking less. with a colleague last week. And I said, mm -hmm. if, we, if we do the game of what came first, the chicken or the egg, does low testosterone come first for a man followed by Hashimoto's? 
or does Hashimoto's come first? And we know that the thyroid gland controls the sex hormones and that tanked his testosterone. I'm going to say the other way around. I'm going to say he, he had a drop in testosterone first because we know with all the chemicals that we're exposed to the entire population, not just men, the chemicals, the xenoestrogens in our world and our life and our body products, the hormones in our meat. I'm going to say that that tanked and then just even being overweight, that tanked his testosterone first, which then dropped that veil of protection for autoimmune. And here came the Hashimoto's. Now, I mean, there's going to be different cases, but I'm just using that as a, as an in general to get everyone to understand, understand that is why. Yeah. That's why women get it more than men. I mean, Doc, if you, if you see the latest stats on the fertility of the males in the United States, it's very chilling. We are uh, about, I mean, in the last 30 years, the, the fertility rate low under 50%. I mean, means our males today, and we're talking about in young ages, I mean, in the 30s, early 40s. They, the fertility levels are way lower than 30 years ago. And, and that should be some concerning out there because, hey, if we as a species cannot reproduce, um, we are facing our own demise. So definitely put attention into the hormones and the testosterone is super important. We have been talking about it here in my podcast with hormone replacement therapy specialists. I am in hormone replacement therapy myself. I have a very tiny dosage of testosterone that I administer myself, a wonderful professional that I have been working for six years. And I can attest that it works wonders. It's just, I just normal. I, I am me at all times. I'm not have ups and downs. I don't have those swings or yep. emotions and my energy is up. But it's good that we remind women out there that testosterone is not a male hormone only. We need it as much as they right. do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I, I talk about it quite often because I'm very passionate about that as well as the thyroid because I do believe that women get overlooked when we talk about testosterone because most doctors do believe it is a male hormone only, not even recognizing the fact that it's the most abundant hormone in a female's body, especially as we move into menopause, it actually takes over as the other two hormones, estrogen, estradiol specifically, and progesterone start to tank. Uh, but the men get the shaft with it too because Mm -hmm. That, again, that lab value range, and we go down so many rabbit holes, but that lab value range with testosterone for males, it starts at a 250 and it goes up to, well, they start cutting it off now more and more. Some labs will cut it off at a thousand. I want men to be 800 to like 12 or 1500 with their total testosterone. So literally, if you're down here in the, in the bottom part of the range, and you're coming into 400 guys or 500, your doctor's telling you that your testosterone is normal. Just like they told me my thyroid was normal, but it wasn't normal. That's not normal. And that is where you're going to start to see, again, the demasculinization of this country. It's, it's the men not being able to reproduce. It's the men growing man boobs. And this dad bod thing that we have elevated to some kind of Social status is horrible. They're overweight men with boobs. I don't want a dad, but that's not healthy. At that very young healthy. ages, you see them out right. there. I live by the beach. And I'm telling you that I, I, I get, when I see young 
males, individuals walking out there that I know that are in the best of the reproductive ages and they don't take care of themselves. I know something is wrong. And, and again, I think today we need to be more conscious that we have to fight a lot more than 30 years ago, many yeah. conditions that we're, we're exposed to. We're exposed to pollutants, toxics in, in plastics, on the food, in the environment, even the clothing. Yeah. I mean, we, and again, are so many things that we can do to fix that, but people make decisions you know, based on the information they have. And if they don't have enough right. information, well, they eat the wrong thing. They don't exercise. They, they think that getting, you know, overweight and growing the, the man boobs is normal. Maybe not. It's maybe something that right. they can correct. So I just see that, that uh, the testosterone and, and the hormones are so important into, into our proper functioning. And, and as, as something that we can, you know, we have to be talking about over and over so people get more like, I mean, they think of that. And, and again, I, you, you mentioned the bodybuilding. And I think back in, I will say in the 70s, maybe in the 60s, when the bodybuilding started being super popular in the U.S., hormones get a little bit of a bad name because they were used by those and not much to the others. But at the same time, bodybuilders were testing a lot of stuff on themselves that we today benefit from learning right. the good and the bad. Yes. A hundred percent. I've always said that the bodybuilders love them or hate them. They are the OGs of biohacking because they <laughs> were trying peptides long before Dave Asprey was trying peptides. And you know what I mean? Like they, they were doing it all the, the cold plunges to stimulate fat burning. They were even doing T2. You know, I talk a lot about T2 on my podcast yes. and the forgotten thyroid hormone. They were doing it long before it came to market for just all of us folk. So yeah, I'm we're going to talk about right. it too in a bit, but before yep. I get out of this subject, because I would like for you to tell us in the, this, I mean, the title dysfunction, what are the main causes for women? What we should be looking for that we can avoid? Can we do preventive measurements to don't, get our tired, um, you know, unhealthy, right. what we can do, what are those factors that you say this affects directly um, the health of, well, the, of so the thyroid? We have to go by stats first. And we have to look at the fact that 95% of all hypothyroidism is Hashimoto. So that's the autoimmune form. What can we do to support our immune system or to keep that autoimmune attack from happening? The biggest thing that we know that we have that we have data on, we have stats on, is gluten. So we know that gluten is an autoimmune attack mimicker, specifically when it comes to the thyroid. When you have Hashimoto's, or even before you have Hashimoto's, and you or you know that you do, every time you're exposed to gluten, you're kind of building that army. You're building that army of soldiers that like to attack your thyroid attack. gland. Now it's important. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're building it up and they're going out, they're doing full out war. The thing is, is that the important part to remember is that gluten or specifically the gliadin protein molecule that makes up gluten is a molecular mimicker to the thyroid gland. It looks very similar in structure under a microscope 
to your thyroid gland. So you're those soldiers, those autoimmune soldiers that think already that your thyroid gland is an invader. When gluten comes in, specifically gliadin, they launch an all out attack and they attack the gliadin molecule because they think it's a bad guy. They're just, they're trying to protect you. They're just confused, right? They're confused soldiers. And they go out and they start attacking that gliadin molecule and then they move over and they attack your thyroid gland. And then after they're done attacking the thyroid gland, who knows where they're going to go? Because we know one autoimmune condition begets more than one. So where we see one, we see more than one. We don't want that. We want to keep those soldiers in their barracks. We want to keep them from going out and attacking every other body part that you have possibly spurring that autoimmune into maybe a lupus or MS situation with which are your you know big bad autoimmune conditions. So number one is gluten. The other thing is if someone doesn't have Hashimoto's yet, overall support of your immune system is key. So just keeping your vitamin D levels optimal, you know, keeping just supporting your liver, helping your body go through its detox processes like it should. But then some things are just unavoidable, like pregnancy. Pregnancy is a huge stressor on the body. I'm not going to tell you to not have a baby if you want a baby, but mm -hmm. we know that that hormonal shift, that, that stressor, man, that is enough to turn on that Hashimoto switch. <laughs> and that's why we hear so many women say, well, it was after my first pregnancy. It was after my second pregnancy. That's where all the symptoms started. That's when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's because of that hormonal shift. So there's nothing, I mean, some things we have control over and some things we don't. What is your opinion on the birth control pills? Are they that, affecting I mean, the function of the thyroid in women? So here's the thing. Um, we know that birth control is synthetic. It's synthetic hormones. So all of those scary stories about blood clots and cancer, yeah, that's tied to synthetic hormones. And yet they give out birth control like it's candy and they won't give a 45-year-old some bioidentical progesterone. It blows my mind. But anyways, I digress completely. Birth control pills will tank your own thyroid function. And that's why we see a lot of women, young women, very young, in their 20s, college. even mm -hmm. very young, yeah, college, 20s, that now they're getting diagnosed with thyroid problems. It's because they've been on birth control since the age of 12 or 14. And that alone is tanking their thyroid function. Now, here's the thing. The caveat is if you're 19, 20, 21 years old and you're taking birth control for birth control because you don't want to get pregnant, I'm not going to tell you to stop taking birth control because I don't want you to get pregnant. It's not the right time in your life. You know, that would just disrupt everything. So, But as soon as you can get off of it, Get off of that birth control. If there's any other thing that you can do, any other method that you can do to prevent pregnancy, do that. Because yes, birth control will tank your thyroid in addition to doing all the other harm that it does because of it's synthetic. There's synthetic And hormones. again, I mean- And if you're an older in, woman, no. Yes. I mean, we are in the age of information, Dr. Harnerman. It's all about researching. There are many other methods that are safe for birth control and less toxic for the body. So I, I just leave that out there for girls that are super active, sexually is wonderful. They, they take measurements to prevent, to get pregnant, but there are other right. ways that they can not be affecting the thyroid and, and the overall um, 
hormone yeah. function because they are synthetics and they're they're pollutants anyway. So let's talk about something that you know. This is what I hear the most, and I have both cases on the thyroid dysfunction. I have friends of mine that they are overweight. They cannot control the weight. They have very hard time to control the weight because they are gaining weight. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I have another group of friends that they have Hashimoto's, but they're too skinny and they have a very hard time gaining weight. So how those two happen? And, and I mean, what are the differences and the treatments that are appropriate for each case? Well, okay. So the first grouping is what we normally see. Mm -hmm. We normally the see the, the, yeah, the gaining weight, the inability to lose weight, no matter what you do, the most perfect diet, the most perfect exercise regimen, everything. And those people would definitely be the, the hypothyroid profile. Now we don't know whether it's a thyroid gland causing that or not, but we definitely check it if someone mm -hmm. presents with that list of symptoms. Now, on the other hand, if they are losing weight rapidly, they can't maintain a, a healthy weight, then obviously we want to check for hyperthyroidism or Graves' disease, which is the autoimmune form of hyperthyroidism, where your thyroid gland is pumping out too much thyroid hormone and, and that's literally amping up everything. Now, a lot of times, you know, some of your women listeners might be like, give me some of that, right? I want, I want the weight to just be pouring off of me, but, but it has problems in and of itself. That's yes. where we'll see the thyroid eye disease, the bulging eyes. Mm -hmm. And then that's where it can start affecting your heart because the thyroid gland will control your heart rate and your blood pressure. And with true hyperthyroidism, true hyperthyroidism, we will see that elevated heart rate, sometimes tachycardia, irregular heartbeats, high blood pressure, and that's not healthy. So we don't want you in that hyper state either. But I'll also say, Claudia, I think it's worth mentioning is that a lot of times people are told that they're hyper, but they're not because their doctor mm. is going by their TSH alone. There you and go. that can be an issue in and of itself. When a doctor relies on TSH, and that TSH goes down, let's say someone is taking a natural desiccated thyroid medication, they're taking a little bit of T3, that's going to push their TSH down and their doctor is going to look at just that marker. And again, because of what they learned in med school, if this, then this, ooh, if TSH is below a one, tell that person that they are hyperthyroid, pull all of their thyroid medication from them, and maybe even put them on a medication to suppress their own thyroid function. Wait, time out. No, no. You looked at one marker. How can you tell a person that they're hyper? How can you basically ruin their life by doing the wrong treatment without looking at any other marker? So I, I thought it was worth saying that just, just in the off chance, somebody's listening and saying, well, my doctor said I was hyper. Are you, you know, if you're hyper, you will literally feeling like, feel like you're crawling out of your skin. Mm -hmm. You'll be, I call it icky and sticky. You'll be like sweaty and like, oh, I drink too much coffee and, and I'm jittery and mm -hmm. I'm anxious and you know it. You absolutely know it. Yes. Okay. That is great. And now we have a good illustration of what of the both cases are. And again, none of those is good. It's not good for those that cannot gain weight and the other ones that cannot lose it. And then my next topic is about mm -hmm. Diet, because I yeah. know that from the thyroid function, 
we, we understand that is a chemistry there, some balance that has to be reached in those D3s, D4s, reverse D3, all of that you're explaining so beautifully here. But also on the other hand, we may be eating the wrong foods, so we're not helping the process for happening anyway. And I gotta tell you this, Doc, I was vegan for nine long years and i'm a professional right. engineer when i was working and i work in, in something is called heavy construction i currently work on that have a day okay. job so we do these projects where are in far places away i'm not in a fancy metropolitan area building a fancy you know mall no i am building bridges or dams and you know far away i didn't yeah. have access to a good diet and in some of those cases, I started being very poor in my health. When I went to my doctor, he tested me and said, got a solution for you, girl. Which one is? He said, it's only one thing you have to do. You say, give me the pill. Say, it's not a pill. You have to start eating meat again. Oh. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> what? I was not eating meat or any animal food for nine years. And then... I had to start doing the transition, you know, very, very lean meats. And then until finally I get to the meat and I, I look back and I, I just couldn't believe I hurt my, my body for so long, little by little by eating the wrong foods. And that mm. gives me to the next question to you. Is there like an optimal diet or nutritional program that supports the health of the thyroid? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I, I mean, the, the answer to your question is kind of, so we'll get into that. But I do want to mention and, and give kudos <laughs> to your doctor who said, there's only <laughs> one thing you need to do. He <laughs> will fix that. Because that's <laughs> awesome. He was, right? was looking at my test, doc, and he was like, I don't, Claudia, I don't even gonna mention, I gonna get tired of mentioning every nutrient, every mineral, everything is below the acceptable. All of this, right. because you're eating foo -foo food, as he call it, you have to eat real food, go and eat animals, eat eggs in the morning, eat meats. Mm -hmm. you, you have to recover these levels. You're too young to be hurting your body like, like that. So I was just like, in right. whoa. So I walk both paths and I'm telling you, I feel much better after I'm eating meats. <laughs> Well, no, thank you for sharing that too. And I, and I think it's important for people because we have this, this plant pushing movement right now where everybody is doing these plant-based diets and plant-based protein shakes. And reality is if, if you go down that path, you are going to be neglecting your body of essential amino acids, the amino acids that are core building blocks for our immune system, number one. And they are core building blocks for your hair, your skin, your nails, your muscles. So, you know, I always, if you truly look at a typical, and I'm just going to say this typical because you know, there's somebody out there that's like, I know a vegan bodybuilder and he looks amazing and has all this muscle. If you look at the typical vegan and Claudia, you can share a little bit of your body composition story too, because I'm sure that changed. You are going to see a skinny fat person, or you're going to see a fat person eating vegan because they don't have the building blocks to put on muscle. 
So if you see a vegan body bodybuilder, probably using anabolic steroids. <laughs> if you see a normal vegan, you're going to see a little bit of lack of that muscle tone and shape. Their hair looks a little bit dry and dull. Their skin is a little bit dry and dull. Um, they just don't have that, that, that strength about them. And when you give a person amino acids in the form of animal-based protein, you are helping in, in so many ways, aesthetically, and then again, behind the scenes with the immune system. And then that will tie back obviously to Hashimoto. So when we support the immune system, we don't get that attack on our thyroid. We can actually protect the immune, you know, protect the body from that autoimmune switch turning to the on position. And then there's the whole, I mean, let's just face it. Most people that have hypothyroidism are insulin resistant. And that's because mm -hmm. the thyroid gland is the master. It controls our insulin signaling and our glucose regulation, our blood sugar regulation. So when insulin is is off, then we're going to have excess weight gain as well. So now you have low thyroid function, you have insulin resistance. I mean, that's just setting the body up to lay down fat. What is a vegan diet consists of mainly vegan or vegetarian carbohydrates? What do we know about carbohydrates? They increase glucose and increase insulin. So if you're already insulin resistant and your diet is 80% carbohydrates because you can't eat animal protein, you're screwing yourself. I mean, you're just going to be in this fat storage mode all the time where what you're eating is spiking, is spiking insulin. That high insulin is laying down body fat. And it's just this vicious, vicious cycle. So while you don't necessarily have to go keto or low carb, I would say just, my God, get the protein in one gram per pound of lean body weight is a really nice rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're 160 pounds and you really feel your best at 120, 130, eat 120 or 130 grams of protein per day, that's going to give you the building blocks to, you know, have some lean, sexy muscle to burn body fat. It's going to make you more metabolically active. You're going to have better hair, skin, and nails. And then if you need, if you are insulin resistant and you know it, just dial back on the carbohydrates. It's mm -hmm. that simple. Just reel them on back. I mean, the general rule of thumb, nobody should be eating processed foods. Nobody no. should be, eating, you know, some fake meat. I mean, it, you just don't want to eat too many foods in a box. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's not, nutrition is not rocket science, but it's amazing how we make it that way in this country just to sell another diet book. I used to tell people, I, I taught at a university for a short bit, and I used to tell my students, listen, all y'all can write any diet book that you want to, because all you got to do is go out there and take two of them and combine them and name it something different. So I keep threatening to write the book Polito, which now somebody out there will listen to and write this. Poli blending paleo and keto together. It's the perfect diet, right? <laughs> you're gluten-free, you're grain-free, you're not heavy on the cheeses. We got to reel back the cheese. Keto people, you don't need a carton of heavy whipping cream and a block of mozzarella every day, unbeknownst to you. But reel back on that cheese, on the dairy, and let's take some concepts of two different diets and blend them together. And that really is the perfect diet. But you know, I joke about that. I like the I'm name. Joking. I mean, right? It's combining the two. Sticky. Just combine any two diet. It doesn't have to be that hard. That's my point. It really doesn't have to be hard. Wow. So 
out of all of those foods, other than the gluten that we know is, is, is the super no, no, no for the proper function of the thyroid, what are other right. foods that people should be looking into for not including in their diets because it's detrimental to the functioning of the thyroid? Yeah, uh, soy. So we know that soy is a no-no for the thyroid gland. I've also seen it really mess up people's hormones too. Again, we know that soy has estrogenic properties. It can put you in a state of estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. I myself got on, oh, again, this is probably 20 some years ago. I don't know what, I, th I started frying up some tofu because I was like, what is this that everybody is talking about? Oh, it looks like uh, eggs. Scrambled right? eggs. Like, mm -mm. See what I can do with tofu. I broke out like I was 14 years old because it jacked my estrogen so high. It was so highly estrogenic. So soy is just a no-no to the thyroid gland in general. You you might hear about the cruciferous vegetable yes. argument. Stay away from cruciferous. A little really, bit. But just, just, just cook them. Just cook them well. Like I don't want to, I don't want to prevent anybody from eating broccoli and cauliflower if that's your jam. Just cook them or stir fry them in some olive oil and don't eat them raw. You don't want to eat raw cruciferous vegetables if you have a thyroid problem. You know, and again, I mean, the, the soy is one of those components that is hidden in so many foods. And for men, I mean, we don't, we don't see this that often. People talking about the, the soy containing foods and how much affect the males, but it is. And, and if this is something that is hidden in foods that they're giving to our kids in school, we're setting those young ones for a failure later on when we need them to be at their best performance on their, on their uh, reproductive ages. So yep. it's just one of those things that I always keep in mind. And I say, oh my goodness, it should be more awareness on that, the hidden uh, products, you know, where they have this soy is there. They don't tell you about it, but it is there. So mm -hmm. anyway, so... Now I want to switch a little bit here, Doc, because we were talking about a lot about the, the dysfunction on the thyroid, how common it is right now, how many women are suffering for, for this form of, you know, uh, of unhealthy thyroid. Mm -hmm. What, in your opinion, would be the protocol to optimize the function of the thyroid gland, our master gland? Right. Each person is unique and different. Some people might need to go down the path of thyroid hormone replacement, which that is IE medication. We're replacing hormones that are no longer being properly made by your mm -hmm. thyroid gland. And that is totally okay. So I just want to mention, because I hear this so often, people say, well, I don't want to go on medication. Can I do this naturally? And I say, well, let's say that you had type one diabetes and your pancreas just stopped working very well and you had to go on insulin. Would you tell your doctor, no, 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 no. I don't want to go on insulin because it's a medication. I want to do this naturally. I mean, you could tell them that, but eventually you'd be dead. So you wouldn't be able to tell them that anymore because insulin is needed for survival. And it's, it's pretty quick. If you don't have insulin, you'll just die. So if your pancreas isn't producing it, you have to take it. Very similar to the thyroid, although you're not going to die an immediate death. It's really going to be long, slow, and painful as everything starts to shut down. Like you'll gain weight first and your heart rate will drop and your blood pressure will drop. I mean, it's just going to be just really bad. But again, it's because you're hooked on not taking medication. No, no. 
you have to think of thyroid hormone replacement as just that hormone replacement, not medication. Medication, in my mind, are the band-aids that they give you when they don't want to actually address the root cause of your issues. So that's where you'll get the antidepressants and the blood pressure medication and the sleeping pills and the, the PPIs for your heartburn. And those are all the band-aid medications that by all means, if you say, I want to stay off of, I will hundred percent support you in doing so. But if you say, I want to stay off of thyroid medication, when we can see that your thyroid hormones are in the toilet, that's not going to work. You're not going to get optimized. So sometimes we need to use that. If we can catch people in the early stages even in the early stages of Hashimoto's where there's some antibodies, but the thyroid lab values haven't really started changing yet. And the person hasn't started experiencing a multitude of symptoms. That's where we can implement something like black cumin seed oil to lower the antibodies, a gluten-free diet, like clean up their diet, really support their immune system, make sure their vitamin D levels are optimal, add in some zinc, make sure their testosterone is optimal. And, And we can do all of that to keep them possibly get them optimized and possibly keep them off of thyroid hormone replacement, but always being open to bringing that in if need be. At the end of the day, you have to be optimized. I want you to feel your best. I want you to report no symptoms whatsoever. I want you to get through your day, be energized, have your brain firing on all cylinders, you know, eat a clean diet, but maybe be able to go out on the weekends with your family or with your friends, have the brownie, have some sweet potato fries, have, you know, whatever, maybe the gluten-free brownie and not gain 10 pounds looking sideways at a brownie. You shouldn't have to live that way. And if you are living that way, that's a symptom that is a sign by your body that you need to look into something a little bit deeper because we weren't built that way. We weren't built to, to struggle like that. And, and I see that that protocol that you describe as a very holistic protocol is only not only one thing for those who may need the, the thyroid, you know, hormone replacement, uh, but also on the dietary side, the foods that we take, I mean, the pollutants right. that we're getting from nature, please just just avoid those those toxic, uh, you know, beverages and, and the contact with toxics is not good for the function of overall body so i see that that uh, protocol as a very very holistic way of approaching it and i think this is when people have to start thinking it's not only one one fix it's just like the combination of all of those components that you just mentioned right so now doc um also about supplements i want to talk about supplements because um you know we don't eat as our ancestors did eat they have the soils full of nutrients and it was amazing we got the food giving us everything that we needed not the case today even in in our best efforts to get the best food available still we lack of some of those nutrients are there some supplements that are common supplements that people may be taking that are not good for the function of the thyroid they're not good so One thing that I I see quite a bit because someone will read it on Instagram or they'll see it in a blog post of how selenium is really good for the thyroid. And then you'll have people popping 200 milligrams or more of selenium every day thinking, oh, this is going to fix my thyroid. And then we see selenium go too high. 
that is one cause of elevated reverse T3. So too much of a good thing is, is real to get an adequate amount of selenium. My gosh, eat a Brazil nut or two every day. That'll do it. And you don't need to pop a separate supplement. And then I would say the other, the other supplements that I see people taking that aren't necessarily negative or bad for the thyroid, but you can just see it as the person looking for some answer because Mm -hmm. they, these are the people that they'll come to me. We start working together and they have a laundry list of supplements. So on my intake form, I have a, I have a lot of space to put in the supplements that you're on. And when I see that space all taken up, I'm like, Oh no, you know, this is a person that has just been searching like maybe this one, maybe this time this supplement will make a difference and they're on everything. And I ask them, I'll end up asking them like, well, why are you taking this? They go, I don't know. Some doctor just told me, I don't know. I read it on a thyroid blog. I don't know. I heard it on a podcast. And I go, if you don't even know why you're taking something, why are you taking it? So I, I am very frugal when I'm working with my patients. We narrow it down. We narrow it down to it. This is exactly what you need. This is what we're seeing on your, on your tests that are deficient. Or this is just something like, hey, no brainer. We all need magnesium. Like, Everybody out there should be taking a mag. Sorry, I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. You're deficient in mag. Take a mag. Um, you know, it, it, there are some s- just daily supplements that we should all be on, but then there's some that people throw in that are just total overkill. <laughs> it's good to know that. And I want to ask you about T2. We mentioned yeah. this um, earlier in our chat here with you. Educate us about T2 because I've been hearing a lot of good things about the intake, the normal intake. This is not only for the people that have some, you know, um, thyroid dysfunction. It's basically for everybody. I am listening more and more and more on, on blogs, on social media about the intake of T2. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. T2, it's the forgotten thyroid hormone. So I started researching it. Well, I started using it with myself and my patients easily about 15, 16 years ago. And again, the OGs of biohacking, the bodybuilders were using it long before that. And it actually started coming out in like the bodybuilding type of supplements. That's where Mm -hmm. we first started seeing it in supplemental form over the counter form. Now, when we're looking at the thyroid gland, it produces four thyroid hormones, T1, 2, 3, and 4. We have testing and we tend to focus on T3 and T4 because there's medication for it. There's an actual test for it. There's no assay. There's no test for T2 right now at the moment unless, I mean, they have one that they use in studies. So all the studies that I'm going to talk about in, in regards to T2, yes, they use a T2 assay but there's not one for the general population or for us to even order as practitioners. But we know that the thyroid gland produces it. We also know it's vitally important in terms of the metabolism. The really cool thing about T2 is that it increases your basal metabolic rate. So that's the amount of fat that you are burning sitting here at rest. It increases ATP production at the mitochondrial level. So what that means for you is an improvement in energy, nice steady energy through the day, not caffeinated energy, not a stimulant type of energy, but a nice steady cellular energy that you can feel is really nice and steady throughout the whole day. It 
it activates brown adipose tissue. So everything that you've been hearing about cold plunges and how good they are and how it increases your metabolism, helps you burn body fat and helps protect you against disease. That is because cold plunges will stimulate brown adipose tissue. And in mm -hmm. doing so, you are doing all of those things. You're increasing your basal metabolic rate. You're improving cell turnover, all the uh, autophagy, all the things. Well, T2 does that. It stimulates brown adipose tissue. So it can literally, we can turn white fat into brown fat, essentially. The white fat on our body is what we want to burn. The brown mm -hmm. fat is what we want on our body to increase our overall metabolism and, and provide protection of our organs. We don't want to get rid of every ounce of body fat. Some of our body fat is actually protective and some of it is excess and disease causing. We want to get rid of the excess fat and the disease causing white fat. So it does that. We actually can call T2 exercise in a bottle because and I always hesitate to say this nice. because by no means do I want you to sit on your couch and take T2 and no. never lift the weight, right? I don't, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go lift heavy. But, Very but it has, exercise. right, it's so important. It's just, it's so important. But it can stimulate muscle. So it will stimulate muscle fibers to work, so to speak. And it's not like you're going to take two and you're sitting there twitching all over the place, but no. it's actually stimulating the muscle fibers to, to give you kind of that, that exercise in a bottle kind of effect. T2 is just, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I would say the, the most fascinating thing about it is that it does not burn muscle. So that's where the bodybuilders come in. Mm. So I saw a, 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 it was a trainer to the pros. So we have the, you know, the professional bodybuilders, professional athletes, and he was a trainer for the pros and he was actually talking about his women. Now I know, and I can speak from being in that competition environment that bodybuilders will abuse T3 because it increases your metabolism. And in doing so, it's going to burn all that body fat off that they want off of their body so they can step on stage. And this one coach was being interviewed and he said, you know, I don't let my athletes take T3 because what do we know about it? It's going to shut down your own thyroid function. And those athletes that are abusing it are going to come out the other side with a thyroid problem and they will require medication for the rest of their life. And they will always battle because their own thyroid will shut down producing thyroid hormone, they will always battle hypothyroidism. He goes, I use T2. Number one, it's only going to burn body fat. It's not going to touch their muscle. So we don't have to worry about these athletes that have been busting their ass in the gym, building this sexy lean muscle only to have it eaten away. No, we don't want that. We want them to keep their muscle, lose the body fat. So T2 only burns body fat. It does not burn muscle, protects their muscle. And it has no thyromimetic effects or cardiovascular effects, meaning it's not going to jack up your heart rate. You're not going to get the elevated, icky and sticky, high heart rate, tachycardia, heart palpitation feeling like you get from T3. And it's not going to affect your thyroid lab value. So that means when you take T2 and your doctor tests you, they're not going to tell you that you're hyper. So you're not going to be taking something that's going to shift your own thyroid lab values. You're going to take something that's going to benefit your thyroid. It's going to benefit your metabolism. It's going to benefit your energy. We've had some people say that their hair grew back on it, you know, that they're feeling better than they ever have before, but it's not going to change those thyroid lab values. And what would be a recommended dosage for somebody listening to this information? 
150 milligrams per day is really all that you need. You don't need to go higher than that. We've had some people, you know, go higher on their own and report back, you know, what they've, they've felt, what they've seen. And of course we say, you know, you have to do that at your own discretion, whatever, but, but we, we recommend 150 milligrams a day. That's all you need. Okay. And I actually, I was listening the way that you describe how the T2 works. And it just reminds me that it's very much is how the red light therapy works. It just infused the, you know, the mitochondria with ATP and mm -hmm. work eliminating the fat. I mean, it's very much um, what basically the red light therapy does. Also the infrared sauna. I have one right behind this camera here at my garage. I do have my infrared sauna and we do the sauna every night so it's something amazing and and i feel that much work so i imagine um a protocol like that combined with the t2 probably a very good thing i need to try it right no absolutely and the the results that we're seeing are just absolutely phenomenal when this was first launched we, i launched it a year ago knowing I wanted, because I had used it in, we'll say the bodybuilding supplement type of form on myself and some of my patients, but I knew, you know, we needed the, it, this, this particular formulation had caffeine in it. We don't need caffeine. We don't need, we got, we got to pull that. We need to reformulate. I wanted a different dose. I wanted it paired up with L-tyrosine, which is beneficial for the thyroid. So I reformulated and brought it to, to my audience about a year ago in the form of thyroid fixer. And just the response that we're hearing has been phenomenal. I mean, it, it even blows me out of the water, the, the results that we're hearing. I mean, we have the studies. So we have the actual published studies on it, which show uh, even a 4% body fat reduction in, in 28 days, which 4% is huge. It's not four pounds lost in 28 days. It's 4% of someone's body fat was dropped in 28 days from using this. So we have the, the human trials, we have the human studies, but it's different when you actually hear it from people. It's different when you hear it from your audience and they can actually say like, you know what I took, I got my house clean today and I went to work and I walked the dog and I and went I feel great. And it's like, that's a big deal, right? Because they didn't have the energy to do that before. And even have more energy for my husband, which was a good thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So for those listening right now, um, I want to let you know that we're going to post all of the information of Dr. Harneman line of products, uh, the website, and actually her podcast is amazing. If you haven't heard their podcast, it is unbelievable. It's a great source of wonderful information about your health and I kind of posted it down here as well. So question about the thyroid fixer, which is the supplement that we are talking about here with the T2. Is that supplement only um, good for people that have some kind of thyroid dysfunction or, or anybody can take it? No, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that. No, anyone can take it. So that was my, that was my proprietary baby that came out. So it had to be called thyroid fixer, but honestly, in hindsight, it's, it's basically metabolism fixer. It's energy fixer. It's, it's feeling like you're dragging ass to the day fixer because it, 
it will do all of those things irrespective of the thyroid. Like we said, it doesn't have a thyroid effect. It's just these are the symptoms that I see in the majority of my thyroid patients. So yes, anyone looking to have a better metabolism and have better energy can 100% take it. Anyone that is on thyroid medication can 100% take it. You, you can, Anyone can take it. I mean, short of being pregnant and breastfeeding or under the age of 18, anybody can take it. My audience is going to be very pleased to hear this, and I'm going to post all of the information on links below. So don't worry, I got you fixed. Everything is going to be included there. And now, the last thing I want to ask you, and this is, I'm, I'm eager to ask you this, because we have been talking about biohacking. And all of this information that is coming from different sources about slowing the aging process. It's, I, I, I particularly don't like the term anti-aging because we age. There's no way we right. cannot age. But better right. aging is awesome. You know, slow aging is even better. So all of these protocols that we're seeing out there and more and more and more I'm listening about peptides. I used them mm -hmm. myself in the past with amazing results. Um, I would like for you to tell us from your perspective, peptides are the leading edge now into the biohacking and slow aging. Do you think they're good? Do I think they're good? Yes. Oh yeah. I love them. I love peptides. And, and there's so much that we can do now. Like you said, there are peptides for, for recovery from surgery. There are peptides for uh, tissue repair for our skin. There's peptides for sexual function, for our brain, for cognition. And there are bioregulator peptides, which can actually improve our, our thyroid function as well. So whether you're hyper or hypo, and that's the fascinating thing about the bioregulators is they can come in and, and like we were talking about earlier, can you, can you heal someone maybe without thyroid hormone replacement or medication? Yeah, you can actually stack these bioregulators on as well and help improve, if you still have a thyroid gland, help improve the function of the thyroid gland. What are those bioregulators that you're mentioning, those peptides? So one is called, well, the, the thyroid bioregulator is called thyreogen. I actually do carry it on my store as well, okay. but it's fascinating when you start going down that rabbit hole of bioregulators, what they can do. And there's a bioregulator, like you had mentioned, reversing the aging process, when we look at the bioregulators that were started in, in Russia by, it was um, Dr. Marios uh, uh, Karazis, Kar Karazis, Karazis. Okay. Uh, he started using these bioregulators for all different organ systems, you know, blood vessel, brain, the pineal gland, the um, cartilage, the central nervous system, the thyroid, the adrenals they would, these bioregulators would come in, just peptides, their sequences of amino acids, they would come in and start to make that gland, like turn back the, the hands of time on that gland, make it more like when we were youthful, when that gland worked younger. well. Younger, exactly. So now, I mean, I just started going down this rabbit hole, so I don't have a ton of research information to back that just yet, but it is, it's a fascinating area of study. In addition to the peptides that you're talking about, like the BPC, TB500s out there, now we have this world of bioregulators too. That is awesome. And commercially, there are some that are being very popular and now all over the news, like the Ozempic right. type. 
what is your opinion on those? I mean, I see these people are always looking for the magic pill and they, they punch this in the belly. And yeah. unfortunately, some celebrities made it very popular. Oh, and they yeah, look skinny they and wonderful. And now everybody wants that. But on the other hand, I don't see any effort for fixing some bad eating habits, for exercising more, for doing some exactly. more fundamental changes. So what is your opinion about those kind of peptides? Well, and therein lies the problem. So I, I jokingly refer to these peptides as the Beverly Hills soccer mom drug of choice for weight loss. Um, because that's exactly what people did. Everybody ran out and they started taking it and they, they neglected to change their diet. They neglected to optimize their thyroid and hormones or get to the root cause of why they couldn't lose weight. They were just taking it because they, they couldn't lose weight. They wanted to lose weight. So they take these, these peptides turned drugs by big pharma and, and they think that that's the be all end all. And then they come off of them and they experience weight gain. And then the other thing that we now know that I experienced because I experimented on myself and that Peter Atia called out months ago is that you will lose about 30% of your lean muscle mass on these things. Wow. You will lose muscle. Yeah, because you don't get you hungry, so you don't eat. It's that and it's the mechanism of the drug itself. Wow. So I even, and I said way back when, I, now we experiment ourselves as biohackers, right? So I started yeah. using it before all this information started coming out. I'm like, I just want to see what this does. And yes, you lose the hunger, but then the hunger actually starts to, the decrease in hunger subsides. You get your hunger back, you get your normal appetite back. But what I, two things that I said, number one, I wish somebody told me from the very beginning, you eat protein like it's your job when you're on this thing. I don't care that you're not hungry, drink a protein shake. I don't care that you don't want to eat another bite of steak, drink a protein shake. Get your protein in like it's your job. And then even after my appetite came back and I was eating enough protein, I lost muscle a hundred percent. And I don't, I don't even think we know the full mechanism of action of these drugs yet. We don't know. We don't know the long-term consequences. I am okay using them in certain situations where we have optimized someone's thyroid and hormones. They're, they have changed their diet that are, they're eating great. And for some odd reason, their body will not shed this excess fat. I am okay using it as a, as kind of a yeah. kickstart, but yeah. not long-term, absolutely not long-term. But you're right. I mean, now that you mentioned the loss of the, of the uh, body mass, the muscle, yes. I see, I know people that have been using this for a very long time before it becomes so popular. Yep. And I can tell you the before and afters definitely look lack of muscle those little legs i see that i see i know people yep. close to me yep. and i can i can tell that it's it's very sad but anyways time time will tell i mean i just still think that um again we we need to keep trying other ways to optimize our bodies and keep our weight in control but uh, i don't know I, i'm still hesitant on, on those uh peptides because I know they're very dramatic and people love the results. They're very, very soon to see the result, but right. at the long term, we just don't know. Now, yeah. Doug, final thoughts for our audience right here. I would like for you to, to tell us 
uh, what would be your message for the women and men out there listening and all of this amazing information that they hear today with you about the function of the thyroid, how to optimize the thyroid, what are those symptoms that may be confused with others in traditional medicine? What would be your message for them? It would be to listen to your body, number one, because your body is giving you signs and symptoms and signals that you can choose to ignore or you can listen to. So if you are are experiencing any of the symptoms that we talked about today and there's a little voice in your mind and your head going, but you're just getting older, so this is what happens. <laughs> no, that is not correct at all. You're not just getting older. You can live well into your 70s, 80s, 90s, feeling like a rock star and feeling great. You don't have to throw in the towel because time is ticking on a clock, on an age clock. You can absolutely feel your best and you deserve to feel your best. So number one would be listen to your body and listen to those little symptoms that don't quite make sense to you. And the next would be to have hope and don't stop. Like you had mentioned earlier, Claudia, what if I would have stopped the doctor number two? I wouldn't be here. What if I would have stopped at doctor number five? Because, you know, five, I mean, listen, that's a, that's a good, that's a good shot, right? Those that's are a, good, a lot of doctors. You know, five. five, that's a lot, right? What if I would have stopped at number five? I wouldn't be here. So you have to have hope and you have to keep, keep Look. plugging away, keep doing research, keep asking questions, find a doctor that specializes in thyroid and hormones like myself or somebody else in the functional space that knows what they're doing with you. Because until you find that person to truly help you, you will suffer with symptoms and you will think that you're crazy. And that is wrong. I don't want you living that way. So you have to have hope and you have to keep plugging away. Wonderful message. And I appreciated it very, very much. Dr. Harneman has been a pleasure. And I want my audience to go and check your podcast and check on your website and just keep listening wonderful information about health and wellness and take control of your health. So thank you very much, Doc. It was very nice to have you here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Claudia. My pleasure. If you enjoy the content of our podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe right now and hit the notification button so you will be notified every time we bring different experts, different subjects to our podcast. Also, leave us your comments. Tell us what you think about, give us your questions. We would love to hear from you. That help us to reach other people out there on the web and for other people to find our channel. That is helping to grow our channel and supporting our mission to bring this information to people who really need it. Um, also, I would like for you guys to check out our Links below, we have some affiliate links with discounts for you, our listeners. And also follow us in social media. And remember, until next time, health is wealth for the body, mind, and soul. Take care. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like the information that we shared with you today, please subscribe to the Express Soul Health and Wellness podcast and follow us in the social media outlets of your choice. Until next time, please remember, health is wealth for the body, mind and soul.